G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 11 Review. Well, we are officially at the halfway point of the season. Well, halfway point of the season in terms of everyone having played 11 of 22 games. Very intriguing first half of the season it's been. And uh, this round, as intriguing as any, a uh, couple of big upsets, uh, some thrillers, some big crowds, bit of controversy, um, had everything round 11. And uh, we are here, as usual, for Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, but when I say we, I'm talking about myself and, of course, Footyology's co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you going, Shorey? Good weekend of footy? Mr. Rowan Conley, not really. Oh, I didn't think I'm so. Super- no, I thought there was some <laughs> outstanding okay. games. Sydney and Richmond was a ripper with Lance Franklin. Yep. Uh, today's game was riveting. Carlton Collingwood. Um, I'm not sure what you thought of the Cats by 42 points against Adelaide in an absolute blockbuster of a game. No, and, a of course, and of course, Port, Port Adelaide and Essendon, sent them streaming for the turnstiles, didn't it? As, as we you know, would have expected. Like, now, come on, I'm trying what, to be looking at What about North and, Saints? North Saints. On, Robert, I'm very rarely positive. I'm being positive here and you're dragging me down. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it confused me. <laughs> it was. A, I'm going to say it was a very interesting round. Well, I said go no, Go no further than that. All right, no, fair enough, fair enough. Good to see some of my... Cynicism is rubbing off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're you're changing me, (laughs) aren't you? Well, that is pretty interesting. Top four, just quickly, as we speak, Melbourne, of course, having suffered their first loss. We'll talk about that in detail. Brisbane second, Fremantle upsetting Melbourne. They are um, not locked in, but they are back in third. And St Kilda moving into the top four at the expense of Carlton. So some uh, pretty significant results um not all blockbusters is true but some significant results we're here to drill down on every one of those nine round 11 games let's get into it on footyology wrap around a big round of footy kicked off in sydney on friday evening at the scg with a thriller between the swans and the tigers sydney winning in the end by six points 16 10 106 to the Tigers, 15, 10, 100. Uh, Plenty of drama. We'll talk about that in a minute. The goal kickers for the Swans, Franklin, five, came home with a wet sail, did Buddy. Three to Reed, two to Haywood, singles the rest for Richmond, two to Ralph Smith, two to Edwards, two to Jaden Short, two to Graham, singles the rest. Well, at uh, halftime, you were thinking... How far the Tigers, uh, five goals plus up, but in the second half, 10 goals to four. The Swans coming right over the top of the Tigers with a wet style. 
plenty of drama, of course. Uh, gee, it seems like ages ago already, but uh, massive amounts of drama right on the siren as Richmond's Dion Prestia was paid a free kick. Sydney youngster Chad Warner in um, jubilation at the sounding of the siren kicked the ball into the crowd. It should have, technically speaking, been a 50-metre penalty. The umpires conferred and decided not to impose that as they didn't believe Warner had heard the free kick paid, as I would have thought was pretty self-apparent. Why would he have booted the ball into the crowd? Otherwise, I guess the bone of contention was, did they do the right thing exercising common sense or should have they umpired to the letter of the law, which obviously would have given Prestia a far easier kick at goal and a chance to at least tie the score. So unfortunately, Robert, what was an outstanding game of football became yet again totally lost in hours and hours of controversy about should or shouldn't the 50 have been paid. So before we discuss the game, I'll get your view on that. Should the 50 have been paid or not? Well, in any other place and time of the game, it would have been paid. A free kick paid. Uh, a young gentleman has kicked the ball away. Um, I like to see precedence throughout the season uh, as to um, he obviously didn't hear the whistle and he was jubilant with the um, with the siren, which signalled a, a, a Sydney win after a great comeback. So that was his emotional. But technically by the law, he has, to, he, he has kicked the ball away and uh, nine times out of ten, Rowan, that is paid a 50-metre penalty. So you would have it. paid it? You would have paid it. Let's just get clarified. Yeah, that. I would have paid, I would okay. have paid it because... Um, Not a given pay, that he would have kicked it, of course. Would have put him um, about 35 would have paid. They would have paid it any other place on the ground in any other game, any other time of the game. Yeah, no, I'm you saying it's not a given. What, what if that happened? Goal to tie the scores is what, what I'm saying. What would that have happened if that was um, Gold Coast versus Fremantle in front of four thousand people at the Gold Coast, and that happened at the seven to, uh, the seventeen minute mark of the second quarter? Uh, I don't, I don't team, know, Rob, because I wouldn't have been watching it. No, no. Oh, well, you know what I mean. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, just I know think, would have. I, I yeah, no, I, that, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. All yeah. I'm saying is it's no certainty that he would have kicked the goal. No, so no. We no. shouldn't assume that had he got the 50, they would have tied the scores anyway. But all right, so we got your views on it. You think it should have been a 50. Plenty of people do, and I absolutely accept that argument, by the way. Um, and uh, It'd be I'd, very often that I wouldn't go, that I go against the spirit of the game or the yeah. common sense rule. Yeah. But I, I'm going for the technical interpretation based on consistency and what they would do any other time. Well, what do you make of this result? Because, look, I wrote a column during the week about I think Richmond are the real deal. I think they're back in town. And um, I wouldn't say they were cruising, but they were, gee, they were um, very much the better team. But uh, Sydney really got their act together, didn't they? A couple of tactical oh. things. They deployed uh, Callum Mills as a spare man in defence and got a lot of drive from that. Um, uh, I think uh, they they tightened up midfield. I think they uh, did a lot better in the contested stakes. Chad Warner, fantastic for them. Midfield, gee, he's playing some great footy at the moment. He ended up with, I think, 27 disposals, seven clearances um, and uh, the Swans really turned that whole clearance contested ball scenario around in the second half hence um, 10 goals to just four by Richmond in the end now 
got to remember here, and no excuse, but Richmond without Lynch, without Bolter, without Lambert, three considerable absentees. Uh, um, uh, well, well, slow down. And their leading best and fairest player after for the first five rounds, Marlon Pickett. Oh, yes. Yep. Was um, out. He's a very important player in yep. their structure on the wing. Yep. No, fair enough. So I'm no, just I, not... I, that's why I picked. That's why I picked Sydney. Yeah. And and I thought Richmond were outstanding to go five and a bit goals up, and um, so lost no friends for me, particularly with those four out. Um, and Lance Franklin kicking five goals, and they they get beaten by six six points. Ryan, it's a pretty <laughs> simple game. That was a um, fascinating duel, Franklin, on uh, the 19-year-old kid, yeah. Josh Gibkiss, wasn't it? He did very well, but then Buddy really got hold of him in that third quarter. And then I think Dylan Grimes ended up being shifted onto him in the last quarter and quieting him down again. But um, Very Sheedy-esque. The move? Yes. Oh, it? playing a kid on a champion, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Well, he's a good kid, isn't he? He's a, yeah, he is good, and he went forward and kicked a goal. I was going to say, he's a lovely kick of the footy too, and he's got good judgment. So, um, look, they've, they've picked a winner there. Uh, important win for the Swans too. I mean, had had Richmond won this game, as it appeared for much of it, they were going to. Um, there would have been, what, I think four losses out of the last five for the Swans, or certainly wow. three out of four. So, really important that they maintain... Um, what is now one game break over sides outside the eight. So from that point of view, massive win for them. Massive reversal for the Tigers too, because uh, that would have given them a one game break on sides outside the eight. Instead, it is they who are outside the eight. They're in ninth spot, a much better percentage than their rivals outside the uh, top eight, it should be said. But um Look, a, a yeah. game behind seven of the top eight sides. I it's still typical, th- typical Sydney. I thought Rowan ten yeah. out of the last thirteen goals got on top in the clearances. Got on top in the in, in the conditions were tough. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And it and they just wore them down. Got back into the game, and of course, uh, then Land Franklin turns it on. So um, I gave both teams a pretty good tick for this one. They, yeah. they lost nothing except the four points, yeah, Richmond. I, I agree. I, I'll put you on the spot here, though. I still think their best is, you know, probably second only to maybe third behind Brisbane. I still Who's think that? I still think Richmond's best is very much among the top two or three teams in the competition. And on that basis, provided they can get in there, obviously, I mm. still think that they are a bigger threat to the likes of Melbourne than other teams who are higher on the ladder. Well, we picked Sydney to go deep into the finals. So uh, going on that, I just think the um, uh, the, t- the, two, uh, the two bookends are significant. They've got to have, um, when they get back from injury, they've got to have a consistent year. Um, they're gonna, uh, Lambert's a week-to-week, isn't he, with that hip? He's not going to... Um, they really need him to to spread their their midfield depth. We've spoken about Pickett. Um, I think they've got to have everything going to them. Uh, because because he wasn't there, they um, they relied heavily on Nick Rewalt. He only kicked one goal. And Jack my, my mother's ringing on the phone from Tasmania. <laughs> okay. so I'm going to have to hang hi, up on her. Hi, Mum. Hi, Mum. 94-year-old mum. There you go, folks. My mum still rings me on a Sunday night to see if I'm okay. 
That's lovely. Keep All right, um, uh, let's talk about what's ahead next week. So Richmond uh, gets a chance to reset. They are one of six teams with the buy next week, the buy rounds starting where for three weeks we're down to six games a week. So week off for the Tigers, probably a reasonable time for them to have that. A good time, lost. yep. yep. Um, and for Sydney, a massive challenge for them. They are up against Melbourne. Uh, back to Melbourne next week. Still the NAM football club, of course, with the Sir Doug Nichols rounds going on. But uh, Melbourne again next week. They play the Swans. That one is at the MCG on Saturday evening, 7.25pm. So can Sydney continue uh, that great form of the second half? Can Melbourne bounce back from that shock defeat? Um, at the hands of Fremantle. That will certainly be a good game. It was a good Friday night game, and um, we had a big card on Saturday. Let's talk about those games. Saturday afternoon saw a game at the Gabba in Brisbane featuring the Brisbane Lions up against GWS. And this was a very entertaining game and a pretty Old-fashioned sort of scoreline in the end, Brisbane prevailing by just 14 points in the end. The final scores, Brisbane 16-14, 110. Outlasting GWS 15-6, 96. 31 goals kicked in this game. Isn't that great? Doesn't that fill your heart with joy? Uh, Not to mention a first quarter in which 14 goals were kicked from a combined 27 inside 50. So both sides going at uh, about 50% goals per inside 50 ratio. Um, It was great to watch, really attacking stuff. The goals, in the end, for the victors, four to McCarthy, two to McStay, two to Neal, two to Robertson, singles the rest. For GWS, four to Toby Green, three to Peatling, two to Hogan, two to Kelly, singles the rest. Well, Rob, we talked about this, and you actually tipped GWS. Yeah. Um, mm. I was sufficiently inspired by that to uh, to plonk a lazy, very very minor bet, I might say, with uh, our wagering partner, and uh, it was looking good for a while. They uh, they certainly yeah. pushed them really hard, didn't they? Pretty good performance from the Giants in their second game under Mark McVeigh. What'd you make of it? Well, I'll probably get uh, held down here, but it was, uh, it's was it been a long time since uh, eight goals one was kicked against Brisbane in the first quarter, and they've certainly freed this team up, for want of a better word. But at the same time, they may have gone a little bit too far. And I'll give you the example. They controlled Daniel Rich extremely well. They put DeBoer on him, nullified his left foot. Uh, the week before, Rich had something like 33 and 28 uncontested. So that's a big tick to them. And they went with the young bloke. So they sent out two targets. Um, and they went with the young bloke, Perryman, on uh, Neil. And he did a good hustling, bustling sort of job um, early on. But that that matchup stayed too long. And I just wonder why they didn't switch Coniglio across when they were still in the game. Because once Brisbane hit the lead, they just went on with it, and um, and, and he was he was the driving force. Well, I was going to say just how how good a player is Lockie Neal that he was able to turn that duel around, get on top, and in the end, pretty much I reckon universally probably voted best man on ground. He ended up with thirty nine disposals, yeah. 
nine clearances and two goals. Um, plenty of help there from Jared Berry too. He had a ripper. A career. Hey, just talk oh. about him. That, well, hang, you know. well, let me. 33 well, disposals. I don't worry about stats. A goal no. for, well, I do. A goal no. from 50. I'm not Ron Barassi. <laughs> Give me stats and I'll shut up. <laughs> just right. let me finish the sentence. One of the I'll most improved up. players in the competition no, can good. play outside, wing, and then, like he did against Essendon, go into merit and shut him down. Sorry to butt in, but you've got to give the kid a pump-up. Were you going to or just read out stats? No, I was going mm. to give him a pump-up, and I'll give this one a pump-up too. Cam <laughs> Rayner, a oh, career-high yeah. 25 disposals, oh. but that wouldn't impress you, Rob, because <laughs> you don't care about stats. Oh, dear. Hey, hey, I'll tell you, the other guy who really impressed me and his stats aren't that impressive necessarily, 17 disposals, two goals though. But Devin Robertson, did you see that goal he kicked with the little shimmy in the... He's all right. Oh, he, he's a classy player. He's no, really impressive. And, of did, course, McCarthy got his four. You know, the, um, they got did, some talent. Like it was 14 points, and they didn't have... They lost Ward early. They didn't have Davis at centre-half back, although he's perennial, he's, he's injured a lot. Um Taranto's out for a while in Whitfield. I, I, I'm, I'm not backing away from my tip because I was pretty confident. And, gee, quarter time I'm sitting there going. But it did worry me that you've kicked eight, but you've allowed six. And that was their problem, Rowan. They, uh, they've freed them up. They're running well. They played really exciting footy. Toby Green got going. But they're letting goals kick. I think West Coast kicked, what, 13 against them last week? Uh, he's got Mark McVeigh's got to fix that balance a bit. He, he does. I, I I don't disagree with you, but I would say, given where they were, right at the moment, I'd be prepared oh. to concede that. And and isn't it telling that obviously they've been freed up, but who has responded to that the most? I would say the senior players. Josh Kelly had thirty-one, two goals. He was terrific. Toby Green, four goals. You know, I think. The last couple of weeks, it's the closest the Giants have looked to those Giants of old, that really skillful, open, attacking, running side. They haven't been that for several years now. And I can just see, I mean, you know, we're not there, but you can almost imagine Spike McVeigh's come in. He's given these guys a bit more creative license and they've responded to it and they're playing inspired footy as a result. It's good to watch. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other, th- well, and 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 inside they went like like that. McInerney, McInerney dominated the hitouts, but uh, GWS won the centre clearances, um, twenty to twelve. That's a terrific effort. So, um, Brisbane at home, they had, uh, but then on the the negative side, GWS allowed sixty inside fifties, and because it's not a long ground, Rowan, and it's a very if you kick the ball decisively, it can be a very, very dangerous ground to defend. Um, they wouldn't be happy with that. So, uh, look, I give them. Uh, I don't know what you. What would you give GWS for this performance? You know, fourteen points. Those players out. Brisbane had to really slip themselves um, at the Gabba. I, yeah. I, think, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I thought they were right. Their third quarter it was five seven, twelve shots to three. That's where the game was won and lost. They come out at the three-quarter time. Neil lifted. They all lifted around the ground. Five seven to two one. I tell you what. Game. I'll, I'll say this about GWS. They're yeah. four, they're fourteenth on the ladder at three and eight. I don't reckon we've seen many sides as talented as them in that hideous a position. So, 
look, if they play the sort of football, admittedly, yeah, they're, they're leaking a bit, but they play this sort of footy for the remainder of this season. They're going to be winning. They're going to end up with quite a few more wins than three, I'd suggest. I got a text um, about um, just a few things. Um, the other thing was that I think GWS played the Western Bulldogs, uh, the only team in the top eight in the next six weeks. I think it's six uh, weeks. Okay, so they've got a good chance to improve this. Yeah, well, we may we may wait till the end of that that period. That will right, take I'll, us to three quarter you, I'll time. I'll tell you who they're playing. Right, uh, let's go. They are playing uh, North Melbourne They'll Western win that. Bulldogs. Fifty uh, fifty game. Collingwood. Uh, uh, yeah, right. Don't worry about it now. Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. Port Adelaide. Yeah, they're right in this. And uh, then they've got Brisbane again, round 18. What? Yeah. <laughs> I saw the draws on now. Play Brisbane seven weeks after playing them the first time. Oh, right, eh? Yeah, no, look. Um, oh, well, Collingwood in, are Collingwood in the eight? No, they're not now. Or they did they slide into – doesn't matter. Maybe that uh, – You're just going to keep asking me those questions that I can't immediately answer. No, Collingwood are outside no. the eight. They are 10th. Now, see, you're in your studio, so yeah. I'm, I'm just sitting at home in it on a table in a lounge room, right? Oh, here we go. You're going to make out you're like you're sitting around a campfire or whatever, and I'm yeah, surrounded by Yeah, I've got visions of you yeah. with this media wall in front of you, <laughs> right? These big TV screens, one with the ladder, one with the fixture, yeah, right. one with the last five games, one with the six, and you just look up. And you go, so I apologise about that. Anyway. That's um, at uh, Footyology Central. Do these teams have a buy, Rowan, or have you mentioned that? Oh, hang on. I'll just go to my screen, which has everyone's yeah, remaining. Yeah, go to the, the buy screen. It's like uh, we're at NASA Control here in Houston. Um, okay, next week. What is happening next week is that a massive game. This is one of the biggest games of a season, as a matter of fact, next Sunday in Perth, 5.20 p.m. Eastern time. Brisbane up against Fremantle. Right that on. should be an absolute cracker. And GWS next week have the bye. So, right uh, well, I thought your studio producer, who's whirling away there on his computer with all yeah. those figures coming right up to you now. Yeah. The, the footyology in studio producer. Yeah, he's been a bit slow, so I'll just slap him around a bit. We had, we had a producer at SEN, didn't we, Rome, when we were on there before awesome. we got. Occasionally, uh, before Hutchie took it over and started cost cutting. <laughs> Hang on, I'm just getting the butler right. to pour me another pins, uh, if you will, and uh, we'll get straight on to the next game on right. Saturday. At the same time as the Lions were playing the Giants, down at the Cattery GMHBA Stadium, we had Geelong taking on Adelaide, and in the end, a pretty comfortable and uh, pretty predictable, one would say, 42-point win to the Cats. Final scores, 15-7-97, defeating an inaccurate Adelaide, 7-13-55. And uh, that might be the story in a nutshell, really. If Adelaide's going to ever beat Geelong at Geelong, they need to make the most of all their chances, which they didn't do because at quarter time, it was six behinds the Crows, Two, four to Geelong and uh, six goals to the Cats to three in the second quarter. Extended that advantage. Uh, There was one bright spot um, for the Crows. They got within eight points in the third quarter after four 
consecutive goals, two of them to Darcy Fogarty. But the Cats hit back with the next six of their own to put the game to bed. Jeremy Cameron, um, he's had some good performances this year. Four goals to Cameron. And Tom Stewart become a possession machine. 40 disposals mm. in this one, 16 marks and 17 intercept possessions. Gee, he's a good player. Uh, goal kickers, four to Cameron for the Cats, three to Myers, three to Tyson Stengel, right up there in uh, Recruit of the Year discussions, Rob. Two to Hawkins, singles the rest. Four the Crows, three to Fogarty, singles the rest. Well, um, I hope I haven't just summed up the whole game, really. Because oh, I think I think you've, what uh, else to say. Really. I think you finished it. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Stengel because uh, look, we might divert a little bit. Um, uh, is is the recruited the year like the first round draft pick, or does it, or is it an experienced player, or is it a Nick Martin? Um, I think because, it's. What, I think it's whatever. Well, you need to specify what it is. Well, yeah. You're well, talking Will Brody and Will Brody yeah. at Fremantle and Stengel. Yeah. Have been. Can I just say they've been a couple of the recruits of the year, whatever category that is. Yeah. Well, yeah. certainly, if you're talking um, senior experience players from other AFL clubs. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, he's up there. He's been a terrific pickup for them, and. You know, look, he, he did have his off-field issues, and I guess that scared people off. But gee, Geelong, um, they've absolutely backed the winner here. He's been he's been terrific for them this season. I think clubs have to really sit down, and um, it's it's very very difficult. You should be able to sit on down the ground vision, which we haven't got access to in our studio here. Um, but um, of course, they're going to have to look at the Stewart situation. I reckon that's the third time he's got 40 positions. So the Cats are sending what they're doing, simplest terms, they're sending a number back into the back line after the 666 to keep pushing to Stewart's man. They've mm. also released Stewart to wing a bit. Uh, they're just confusing the opposition sides as to whether to man him up. Um, that stat you gave was that 16 intercept positions or 16 intercept marks, Rowan. Uh, possessions. Possessions. Well, that tells me he's free and he's reading. He's a very good player and mm. he can play one-on-one, -on -one, but they're doing some really good stuff there. Um, uh, you know, I couldn't pick it up on the side um, because you just see, you, don't, you, don't, you can't look down the ground and see who's making a move after the bounce and after they disperse from the six, six and six. Just, uh, just yeah, Clubs on, have to do something about it because a halfback flank that uses it so well... Um, I reckon that's three lots of 40s for the year. Just on Stengel, he's averaging more than two goals per game. He's got 23 goals now. He's got what? 23, 23. goals from 11 goals. Oh, that's on your goal-kicking um, screen. screen. Yep. To the, um, just to yeah. the left. Yeah, yeah that joke's not going to get old, is it? Uh, he got <laughs> uh, he kicked four in the first game against Essendon. He's, he's kicked a goal in nine of his 11 games, but he's now kicked three goals or more in six games and he's kicked three goals in four of his last five games. I mean, he's just been a massive, massive win for the Cats and that that small pressure forward who can hit the scoreboard is exactly what they needed. So um, massive kick for them and uh, Eddie Betts, of course, doing some good work down Geelong. So 
Uh, well, well, there you go. He's, yeah. It's probably been quite significant, you'd think. Yeah. Look, uh, let's talk about the Crows. Um, their fifth straight loss. They won the clearance count in this game and the contested ball count, but uh, not necessarily using the ball that well. And, of course, as is the case with every team that's trying to affect an upset, you, you've got to take your chances. 7-13-55 is hardly doing that. Usual suspects of the Crows. Rory Laird, 38 disposals at yeah. 15 in the second quarter. Him and Guthrie went on a possession spree, didn't they, between them? Yeah. 14 yeah. clearances for the game too, Laird. Ben Keyes, 28 disposals. Jordan Dawson, speaking about good pickups, he's been really good for the Crows. 27 disposals for Dawson. And uh, Riley O'Brien in the ruck, pretty good too. Look, Well, they brought him back from the sample. He's yeah. been in... He's been in uh, Purgatory a little bit, but 47 hitouts, 28 possessions, five marks and seven tackles for a first ruckman. And um, that was one of the highlights of the game because the Cats went with Blitzarves, who had 31 possessions, six marks and nine tackles. So the two ruckmen had a had a blinder of a game between them. How do we reckon Adelaide are going? Look, we you know, they won seven last year. They're three no, and eight now at the no. halfway point. They're 15th on the ladder. They've lost five in a row, but I, I don't feel like they've been terrible, really. They have plateaued, Rowan. We uh, we spoke about this week, and we said that a pass mark is to go one win further than last year. So they've got to come home in the second half with five wins. Out of 11. Six wins. Mm. Five or six out of 11, which, yeah. Which is a, a struggle, like... Um, <laughs> that joke, <laughs> I was going to use it again. I was going to say, if you look up to your right on that on the fixture screen, on the wall, the mega wall, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. It's a mega wall in the yeah. in the Connolly bunker. Yeah, okay, yeah. What, what would you like? In other words, it? in other words, folks, he's got the, he's got the bloody Sunday Age in front of him. I have <laughs> actually. I've got a TV screen, a computer screen, but I've got about fifty eight tabs open on my computer <laughs> screen. So, what do you want me to look up? Who they're playing? No, next you're right. Time? No, no, that'll well, lose. No, that'll well, lose. I'm going to look up who they're playing next week because it's important. Uh, Adelaide are playing. Well, here you go. I think their run of outs is about to end because guess who they play next week? Uh, they're playing either North, uh, West Coast, or <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say it. No, <laughs> so, no, we've got a buy, Ron. We've got a buy. We're no, safe. No, hang on. Essendon will lose the buy, Rob. You wait and see. Um, Adelaide uh, taking on West Coast at home. So right you'd up. think that's going to be a win. 1.45pm Saturday afternoon. And a massive game for the Cats. This will be a ripper, actually. Friday night, 7.50pm, Marvel Stadium. The Cats taking on the Western Bulldogs, who are oh. starting to get a decent head of steam. So good test for both good those game. teams. Well All done. right. They were the two Saturday afternoon games. And, uh, wow, pretty significant what happened in Saturday Twilight game. Let's chat about it. Saturday Twilight saw the rebranded Melbourne Football Club, NAM, of course, uh, the Indigenous word for Melbourne during Sir Doug Nichols' um, rounds. And uh, they were up against Fremantle. Always going to be a tough ass to Fremantle, coming off two losses we talked about this game a lot. Had they peaked? Was it downhill from there? Well, no, because Frio pulled out one of the very best handful of performances 
in their history. In fact, Robert, I would suggest that their third quarter of eight goals, two to Melbourne's one goal, two, is arguably the single best quarter of football Fremantle has ever played. They were fast. They were exciting. They pressured the Demons. In the end, they had a really, really good 38-point win after being 25 points down at halftime. So there you go, a 63-point turnaround in the second half in which they kicked 12 goals to just one. The final scores, Fremantle, 14-10-94, defeating Nam 7-14-56. The goals, four to Lockie Schultz, three to Rory Wobb, two to Frederick. What an excitement machine he is. Two to Tabiner. Singles the rest and for the Demons, three to Bailey Fritch, two to Bedford, singles to Jordan and Pickett. Now we should say Stephen May subbed out of this game pretty early on for Nam after being concussed. That certainly didn't help. Of course, Matt Tabiner, uh, his nominal opponent, had to be subbed out himself by the Dockers late in the piece. But uh, this third quarter, Rob, I'll throw it to you, but I just want to rattle off, sorry about this, but I want to rattle off a couple of stats about that third quarter. It was 8-2 to 1-2. The mm-hmm. inside 50 count in the third quarter, 20 to 11. The Dockers had 20 inside 50s to Melbourne's 11. They won the clearance count in the third quarter, 17 to 7. Centre bounce clearances in the third quarter, cop this, 9 to 1. Tackles, despite the fact they dominated possession, they won the tackle count as well, 21 to 13. And the goals, the order, Tabiner, Lobb, Tabiner, Schultz, Frederick, Darcy, Walters, and Schultz, uh, courtesy of that last goal to Schultz, the greatest tap of a footy I think I've ever seen in a game, little flick back from Frederick, absolute footballing brilliance. It was intoxicating watching that third quarter by them. You couldn't help but get caught up in it. And I've got to say, Rob, if this sounds like me doing a quick about turn, as you know, I haven't been convinced of their credentials. I didn't realise they could play football that exciting, that attacking. If they can do that more regularly, they can certainly match it with anyone. It was an outstanding win by them. Yeah, which... um... Which just shows you how well Collingwood played last week to really expose this team for pressure. But, um, you know, a couple of other things. They took 130 marks for the day and they won the contested ball. So this is a team that was really down and out. If you're 44 to 19 against Melbourne, um, you're in a little bit of trouble. But uh, they sliced Melbourne up. And now the talk is, oh, is this giving everyone hope? Is this giving everyone a look? Um it wasn't Melbourne's best performance, and it was a. It was as you said, Fremantle's one of Fremantle's best ever performances. There's no doubt about that. What I like about Longmuir, he's prepared to, um, not not. He doesn't just go with his system. Like he sent their backline player Griffin Logue down to May early. May got injured. They had a bit of luck with getting May off and uh, getting May off the ground, and Petty was also hobbling. So in the key spots, are a little bit exposed, and and we saw that they got five out of Tabiner at lob. When Oliver was off the off the chain uh, at halftime, he went to Aish. Aish was a bit of a whipping boy, wasn't he? He's been a whipping boy in his career at Collingwood, um, 
and to go to Fremount, he's been a very good player for them. And it just gives another tick to their recruiting. Jordan Clark fought very hard to get to Fremantle. Geelong cracked it about that. James Ace was not finished, but he went to Fremantle. Will Brody is one of the stories of the year. And, of course, uh, young Schultz came from Williamstown. So they've got a, an amazing mix of recruits, and, and he uses them very, very well. We should um, um, just Petrarca's, on ice. Petrarca's te- yeah, just on ice. Keep going. He needs oh, well, a rest. He's, well, he's shutting down. I'm sorry if you – I was just looking at oh. one of my screens, but uh, did you mention <laughs> he shut down Clayton Oliver in the yeah. second half? Yeah, look, pivotal that was. Um, and, uh, look, I think he's been a pretty good player for Frio. He's been a oh, better player word. for them than he, than he was at Collingwood or where was he before that? A consistent that? halfback and winger. There's no yeah. doubt about that. I think can the other... Ex- yeah, sorry. go on. <laughs> can we explain... No, you're going to say the same thing, so I'll say it for you. Can we explain Petrarca's 10 possessions? No, we can't. Can I, we think can't? He, I think he just had a, a bad night. It doesn't happen very often. Actually, what I was going to say was... We need to give uh, due credit to Sean Darcy as well, up against a ruck tandem of Max Gorn and Luke Jackson, the premiership ruck combination. I, I thought Darcy was terrific for the Dockers. Came home very hard. Gorn had him early, but his second half, like, you know, he really helped together with Brayshaw and Brody and their contested work. Can a, a Fremant, is that one out of the box for Fremant? No, it's not. This is why I think they've got the armoury and I've consistently said that defensively and offensively to um, make a mess of them. They they did have their good side on paper. They got they've got a number of players back in, and and, and their game is good enough. This is I'm, what I want. I'm, I'm intrigued with what will happen in September with this lot. Well, this is what I want to see more of from them. I'll tell you what will happen in September if they play the sort of game that they've played more often than not this year. They will be. Honourable losers in September. If they want to win a premiership, they need to play the way they played in the third quarter. But they've played like that throughout the year, Rowan. They've had a couple of bad games that you've highlighted on Mm. because... I don't reckon they've played that that attacking a brand of footy. That's how they do play their football. But they've Mm. been able to balance it with a great defensive ethic. And um, I think they're... Okay, we should... You'll go out, you, you're going to say it now, honourable loss in the first week of the finals? No, no, I'm not saying the first week of the finals. You I'm just did saying. So. Oh, no, did you? No, I know what I said. <laughs> no, they'll end up honourable losers at whatever week of the finals because. But hang on, I'm saying that they're one, they're one game away from playing the preliminary final. What if they have an honourable loss in the preliminary final? That, that would give them an eight out of 10 season. Nothing yeah, wrong with that. Yeah, well, no, nothing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying. If they're going to win the premiership, they will have to play more of that sort of footy they played in the third quarter. No, I don't think they can win the premiership. I've got them. Um, they're definitely in the second week of the finals. Yeah. And it's up to them whether they get in the... So they've already won one. I Look, uh, don't get me wrong here. I reckon they've been great. They, they really have. I just like that footy they played in the third quarter. That stunned Melbourne. Melbourne can cope with good defensive sides. Perhaps they can't cope with sides that are good at defence and can also just flick the switch the way oh, the Dockers did. Yeah. So no one's that, done that to Melbourne for 18 months. That's right? my point. So yep. I, I want to see more of that from them. I want to see right more on. of that from Brisbane. You know, whoever, St Kilda. 
it, it's that daring attacking sort of footy that'll win a side a premiership, not not dour, you know, nine goals to seven scrappy game defence. Okay? Yep. All right. All good. Uh, next, that was a good debate. Next week, um, uh, of course, big test for Melbourne uh, up against Sydney, Saturday night at the MCG, 7.25pm. And similarly, big test for the Dockers. They have got Brisbane at Optus Stadium in Perth. That one, 5.20pm Eastern Standard Time next Sunday. Two cracking games. They should both be rippers. Look forward to that. All right, we had two more games on Saturday evening. Uh, one over in Perth and one up in Darwin. Well, it just gets worse and worse for the Eagles. They were smashed by the Western Bulldogs at home. The second 100 points plus defeat at home this year for the Eagles. That is very rarefied air indeed. The final scores, the Western Bulldogs 25-11, 161, smashing West Coast 9-6-60. The goal kickers, have you got a spare couple of hours? Because Western Bulldogs had 16 individual goal kickers, which equals the record of all time, 16 individual wow. goal kickers. And, you know, because it's a record, I'm going to read them all. No. All I'll right. do it quickly. Norton, four. Two to Dunkley. Two to Keith. Two to McNeil. Two to Waitman. Two to West. Two to Williams. And the following players, all single goals. <laughs> Bontempelli, Dale, Duray, English, Karmas, Liberatore, McComb, Scott, Trelaw. Uh, throw in another six players and you'd have the entire team. And, and and that raises an interesting point. Forget the goal kickers. At your next trivia night, who were the six players that didn't kick a goal for the West Coast uh, Eagles? Yeah, I don't want to know it, but that's dogs. a good question. Yeah, well, one of them was McRae off the top of my head. Uh, well, that's interesting. Hey, yeah. listen, I've got a question for you. Well, hang on. I haven't done the West Coast goal kickers yet. They won't take long. Two to Darling, singles the rest. Yeah, go on. What's your question? Are they getting away with this too? Look. Yes, they are. And I tweeted this on Saturday night. I'm glad you they, asked, Rob. Okay. They had, right up. This is, I, these are big holes. Sheed, Nat Nui, Rioli, Ryan, Hearn. Yeah. Uh, Cole and one other. Right? Alan, of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that means you've got to have your full team on the park. No yep. one does. Yeah. Right? Yep. So with Barras and McGovern in the key spots, they had Kelly, or did Kelly get injured? Or did he? No. Nah, uh, right. They had Kennedy and Darling in the key forward spots. They had Shuey and Gaff on the ball. They had Redden, Cripps, Witherden, Petreski, Seaton and Duggan. It, it's not the worst side that's ever played, but it's performing like. So they allowed Western Bulldogs to have 68 inside 50s. Yep. Right? Yep. And they had 37 on their home ground. And then they're not being questioned for football performance or for competitiveness and to being able to stay in games or hanging games. It, it just, I, I, I'm shocked that the Western Bulldogs, we knew they were going to win, and I reckon we put 45 points on it. Yeah. But 100, 101? Couldn't agree more. Okay, here's eight premiership players playing in that side. So it's not exactly your reserves as as... Important as those players missing were. Point two, they were really competitive early in this season up until they beat Collingwood. And I think the week after they were Are pretty you going good. with the theory again? Yeah. The right experienced on. players came back 
and their performances have been rubbish ever since. Ever since the week uh, where they bought Kelly, uh, who was it, Kelly, Shuey and Gaff all came in as one, all were quiet. That started them getting smashed. That was against Sydney. Here's their last seven losses. Here's the margins. 101, 52, 74, 75, 109, 84, 63. That means in seven consecutive games, their narrowest defeat has been by 52 points, and that is a losing average of just on 80 points. That's disgraceful. Regardless of who's missing, that goes to effort. The bottom has fallen out of it. And I think, yes, because of COVID, because they've had a lot of injuries, and also, unfortunately, because it's Perth, and the Eagles have a pretty mm. cosy relationship with the local media. They are not getting hammered the way a similar club in this part of the world would be. Well, they're not allowed to be hammered, are they? Well, having, there's repercussions if ha- they are. Having lived in that town for three years. Um, That's right. This, this is, um, and I hate saying this because uh, I take great offence when, when people say this, but... Um, Fitzroy's 96 performance was better than this when they were weeks away from not having a club. Yeah, no, I said it's it's the least competitive we've seen aside over this protracted period, probably since Fitzroy 96. I tend to agree. And it's it's a real worry. And they had a real, they had a fair, fair income region, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. I, I look at the players switched off. Are the older players realising that the game's up for them in terms of premierships, so they've tuned out? Uh, are the young, you know, look, they've had pretty consistent top table finishes, so that's not going to give you access to early draft picks. But it is possible to get pick up some pretty good players that aren't top 10 draft picks, you know. Plenty of clubs have done it. Um, I think there's a, a combination of factors going on here, but they are all adding up. To, they are just absolutely stinking up the Eagles. This is probably the, the worst moment in their history. Now, let's talk about the other side because I think... Oh, just one more, Ron. Yeah, and on. to confirm that, one of the most telling stats is that you concede, and one of the things that they did concede was 20 marks inside 50. Yeah, wow. 20. That's a lot. You know, and um, uh, that to me... Uh, shows a real lack of effort, a real lack of intensity, together with probably a system that breaks down or the Western Bulldogs just slicing through them. So just do a quick summary on the dogs, mate, so that the dogs can move on to bigger and better things. Well, I think it's pretty significant. I mean, you know, despite the lack of opposition, some really good stuff coming out of this. None the least, the return of Tim English. Oh, wow. Best time uh, well, in his first game since round five. So great effort. He had 28 hit outs. He had 25 disposals and a goal. Really significant. Their midfield is starting to tick over again as a group rather than just individuals. To wit, Adam Trelaw, 35 disposals. Josh Dunkley, 25. Jack McRae, he had 30. Tom Libertore had 20 along with 10 clearances. So that midfield group and I think that's that's really pivotal. We're doing it as a group. It's not just Trelaw standing up because others aren't. You know, when they're firing as a group, they're a very, very difficult midfield group to counter. They've now won three games in a row, the Doggies, and four of their last five. And uh, I think those wins have got better by the week. Look, they had to struggle over the line against Gold Coast last week in Ballarat. 
but and this was your yeah, classic confidence builder, wasn't it? Not up against great opposition, but uh, you can only beat what's out there in front of you, and and uh, they're doing that at the moment. So four wins out of five, starting to come together for them. Great test for them next week against uh, Geelong. After that, they've got uh, a bye. So if they can, um, they can get to the bye uh, in the black. Uh, well, they're already in the black, the six and five. They get to the by seven and five and in position anywhere from, you know, fifth to eighth. Uh, they'll be set up for a really good crack at the second half of the year, despite a bit of up and down form in the first half of this season so far. I reckon, yep. um, you know, look, they have been a bit erratic. They've tended to come late in the season. But if that's the case this year, they're in a, a reasonable position to set themselves up for that tilt, aren't they? Well, that's it. I think you summed it up really well. And that wasn't one of the games of the round that you said was a great round of football. No, no, I agree with that, which means you're keen to get on to the next one. <laughs> I, I think this next one was even less impressive, but uh, let's talk about it anyway. TIO Oval in Darwin was the venue for the Gold Coast and Hawthorne. And this was another great win to an increasingly impressive-looking Suns outfit. 67 points the margin in this one over the Hawks. 18-13, 121. Great score to the Hawks. 7-12-54. The goal kickers for the Suns. Three to Chole, three to Roses, two to Ainsworth, two to Ellis, singles the rest but a really good spread of goal kickers 12 individual goal kickers in fact and for the Hawks just the one multiple goal kicker and that was Chad Wingard who finished with two well uh, they got on the roll early the Suns Rob they uh, led by 18 points a quarter time that had blown out to 41 at half time 61 at the last break and uh, well just a, a casual stroll for the last half hour, but uh, they were terrific. They were too. They were too strong. They were too skilled, uh, and they had better targets up forward. Uh, they also handled the conditions, which were greasy, uh, as they tend to be up there at uh, at night, a lot better than their opponent. Really impressive win, and uh, well, uh, this late halfway through the season, you've got to talk about the Suns as a potential finalist, and we haven't really done that since 2014. So uh, they're turning into one of the better stories of this year. Well, they are. This is a fantastic win. Um, I, I don't want to go as far. We both tipped them with confidence. I don't want want to go as so far as to say um, uh, we've seen this coming, but they they've had a very good base run. I've spoken about it all this all week. They've had a very good contested clearance game. They've had an excellent inside 50 game. And they've had a very good kick-to-handball ratio game. Mm. They just didn't have execution, sophistication or finesse. But they have had the base. They were too tough, too strong. Imagine saying this about the Gold Coast, Ron, mm. against Hawthorne. Too tough, too strong and too direct. In any contested area, be it... Uh, be it clearances or contested possession, they really took it and and basically uh, uh, wiped the Hawks away in conditions that you and I were very, very confident uh, that would suit the Suns. And um, anything hard and in close, Gold Coast won. 
and and good on Chol and Casbolt for providing a really good target. They've they've hung in there throughout the year, haven't they? They're, they've lost their dominant number one draft pick, King, and I I've given Chol and Casbolt a real tick for their combination. Um, and of course, young Rao starting to come back into form after some horrific injuries. His his uh, combination with Anderson and Miller, uh, the dominance of Wits in the ruck, it's a very good emerging side. Yeah, Jar- Jared Wits is just, we've spoken about this, how important he is for them. He's so underrated. A couple of other guys, though, that I reckon are really giving him some X factor. Malcolm Roses. And Joel, Je- and Joel Jeffrey, the last couple of weeks. He is. Yeah, it's exciting. Boy, he's well, really exciting. And and I'll go to the other end of the ground because I've got a black book special. And because, and, and folks, we're, we're not being derogatory here, but Gold Coast hasn't given over the years, whether it be footyology or whatever, Gold Coast hasn't given us a lot to look at. So all of a sudden, we're having a closer look. And, and Rowan mentioned those two boys who aren't household names yet. But I'll give you a black book special that you want to watch constantly from now on, and that's number 10, Charlie Ballard. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's going to be a star. Yep. Haven't they got a rip uh, at that same end? Haven't they got a ripper too in Sam Collins, who uh, was terrific on Mitch Lewis? Like, he just gets it done week in, week out, uh, Collins. He's, you know, vice captain of that side now. But uh, I, I still think he his case gets uh, undersold routinely because of who he plays for so and there's a bit of taylor too from gws yeah they that well they're not in prime time one's on the gold coast one's in in western sydney um you put them in a you put them fullback for collingwood and fullback for carlton tonight and um uh people will be raving about their performance around so it's uh exposure pure and simple Let's talk a bit about the Hawks because things, well... uh, That'll do. Okay, that'll do. Good. Don't want to talk about the Hawks. You just spoke a bit about them. Oh, God. Very, uh, getting a little bit clever tonight, Rob. (laughs) No, 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 just... uh, What happened, Rowan? What happened? Well, they're frustrating, aren't they? Because they, they had their best win of the season last week against Brisbane. They were fantastic. And it was like... I guess, you know, maybe it's a sign of a, a, a side with a lot of young players. They just get ahead of themselves after a win like that. And um, they paid the price. Look, Mitchell, Tom Mitchell, good for him, 29 disposals. Uh, that's about it. I'll tell you what is really hurting him. And we mentioned Jared Witt's dominance in the ruck, but um, yeah. it's it's a fair chance you're going to have that when your skipper and your number one ruckman, McAvoy, is not there. Uh, Ned Reeves, he's not there. Uh, of course, people would have been tracking those Ned Reeves updates on Tom Brown's Twitter account all week. Uh, Max Lynch, the re- <laughs> <laughs> I've got to keep that going. So, uh, Max Lynch, the replacement ruckman, uh, he he has been out as well. So, <laughs> making me laugh. Don't make me laugh. I just thought of another thing. Tom Lin- Tom uh, Brown actually, uh, I think a week or so ago, confirmed that there is a club that, uh, and not to be named, there is a club that's going to vote against the Tasmanian entry. <laughs> this is that's riveting stuff, Rob. Right? Oh, is that I right? Could prob- I could probably give you six against yeah. it. Anyway, did keep re- going. Did you reveal hey, Rowan, it exclusively? They, they, yes, yes. They, they are very exciting, very good running team, Hawthorne. I'm think I'm putting this down to 
uh, I'll give them another chance this week if they yeah. haven't got the bye. Uh, I'm putting it down to they're very good on top of the ground. They need Giath running. They need these blokes running off halfback. Um, it didn't suit Lynch. Gunston was out. Their Ruckman was out. So they had a few excuses, but um, I think this is to do with uh, the style of game, the exciting rebound they play, and the pressure applied by the Suns. It just didn't suit them. They they couldn't handle the pressure and they couldn't handle the conditions. So we um, we let that one go. It's a big margin to let go, but we'll have a look at them uh, next week, Ron. Well, if just they are playing. Well, talking about the next few weeks, great opportunity here for Gold Coast because they have got North Melbourne next week. They've got Adelaide the game after, and they've got Port <laughs> Adelaide the week after that. So, Where's the Port Adelaide game, Ron? Oh, hang on a sec. Oh, I've done it again. Yeah. I've done it again. The Port game is at Adelaide Oval. Okay. Um, the North Melbourne game is back at TO Stadium. In Darwin. In Darwin. Oh, and no. uh, Adelaide is at home at Metricon. So they're going to win the, the Kangaroos game. Uh, against Adelaide, every chance of beating Adelaide at home, power at Adelaide over a bit harder. But, I mean, even even if they win the next two, that will two give of, them... Two out of three. Well, that'll give them uh, five out of six if they win the next two. <laughs> he goes to his... He goes to the I'm mega going war. to my abacus. <laughs> what will give them? What will it give them? Be good if you had some of this info on hand yourself, you know. <laughs> that'll give them five, five. This is like funny. Finey used to do this. Like I'd have to have all the information at my fingertips, and he'd just go, "Oh yeah, who are they playing in June, June 2028?" And you, and you thought you were so relieved that oh, thank Christ. I thought, ah, oh, sure he's a teacher. He'll be nice and organised. Sure he'll be organised. He'll have every stat from. You everywhere. got nothing. You got nothing. You got notes on the back of the handkerchief. Yeah, it's no different to Finey. You recorded sitting around a campfire. You got no access to the internet. How do you reckon we went for seven years on that show every morning, Sunday know. morning? How do I reckon the Footyology podcast is going for a sixth or seventh year? You two are going to be the death of me, I reckon. No, we're going well. Um, going all right. Okay, we'll give, we? them, we'll give them two out of three, yeah. and that'll that'll put them... Well, five out of six and every chance of making the finals. Goodness me. All right, that's way too much on this game. Uh, so what, just for the record, though, Hawthorne next week, uh, they have got a considerably tough assignment against Collingwood and that is Sunday afternoon at the MCG 2.10pm so let's see if they can bounce back from a pretty disappointing evening all right let's talk about Sunday first game on the card on Sunday afternoon was a battle of Marvel Stadium co-tenants those co-tenants being St Kilda and North Melbourne and it ended predictably in a emphatic 53-point win to the Saints. The final score, St Kilda, 16-7, 103, defeating North Melbourne, 7-8-50. Look, the Roos tried hard, a bit like last week against Melbourne, tried hard, just beaten for class, beaten for execution. We should also acknowledge, whilst we're on the case, uh, Jack Zeeble's 250th AFL game. What a warrior. He has been for the Roos and a lovely guy, Jack. So uh, congratulations to him on that milestone. And uh, he was certainly among their better players today. But like I said, emphatic victory 
16-7 to 7-8. The goal kickers for the Saints, three to King, two to Owens, two to Membry, two to Gresham. Singles, the rest, and they end up with 11 individual goal kickers. The Roos, just the one multiple goal kicker, and that was Todd Goldstein, who had two. Uh, midfielders, Jack Sinclair and Seb Ross, uh, starred for St Kilda. Brad Hill, 33 disposals. Max King, three goals. Uh, defender Callum Wilkie, strong for the Saints as well. Uh, Machito Owens, um, one of the stories for the Saints, bobbed up with uh, two goals in the space of about a minute. Played really well, though. He ended up um, with 14 disposals, a couple of goals, 10 tackles. So he might add a bit for them as well. For the Ruse, like I said, Zeeble tried really hard. Jed Anderson, uh, as usual, and Jai Simkin, as usual, tried very hard. McDonald, been a pretty good player for them the last few years. And the veteran, Todd Goldstein, all had a decent crack, but just not in the same ballpark, the Ruse. And a bit of a worry, I think, that under, under a closed roof, you got two goals to half time. Uh, just four goals at three-quarter time. Ended up with seven. But a really comfortable win to the Saints, who uh, won this one, doing it on the bit, really, with plenty in reserve. How did you see this one? I think you've summed up very well by naming the four players you did, Rowan, um, from North Melbourne. You've named them the same four for the last 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, uh, for all the positiveness and... Uh, we're united and all that sort of thing, and we're developing and rebuilding. Apart from, say, a Bailey Scott's move to the half-back line, it is hard to find a exciting emerging player. Zerha, well, he's been around a while. Larky didn't kick a goal. So you would hope to see an emergence of three, four, five players uh, that are putting pressure on the best players, not that they mean everything. Uh, the other point you made is very pertinent. They only had 34 inside 50s at Marble Stadium under the roof. And their their ball movement from the back line, uh, they call them back line chains. That's where the, the chain begins, the chain of moving the ball. They had 43, 28 were intercepted by St Kilda who turned the ball over them and uh, responded accordingly with goals. They were very positive north in the clearances. They had, they've had, they've had some really good improvement in the clearance work, um, but they're not getting enough out of um, like a Greenwood. Like he was going to be the great white hope of recruiting because North were very keen to tell us what a coup. You know, they knew the rules. No one else did, but I'm not sure the type of year that Greenwoods had justifies that. Um, that, that self-praise. Um, Saints dominated the tough stuff, 138, 117, the contested ball, and also outran North, 255, 297 in uncontested. And it's a great sign. You've mentioned Young Owens with those amazing stats, right, including those two back-to-back -back goals, set Saints away. He came in at the... He, he came in after they were prepared to drop Jack Billings. That, that's a very, very good statement and a very good result for the St Kilda Football Club to be able to do that. Anyway. No, no. That'll do, that, mate. 
Okay. <laughs> I went on for a while. Oh, no, no, it was a fairly abrupt finish. She caught me unprepared. Look, what worries me about North, it's an easy thing to say this because I, I think, you know, the days are gone where you say, well, this side plays that sort of game and this side plays that sort of game. But you can usually look at most sides and say, this is essentially the sort of brand of footy they like to play. I have no idea what brand North Melbourne is trying to play? What, what what are they trying to do? What sort of side are they trying to be, do you think? Um, I don't know. And that's not being... Um, uh, there's a couple of sides in the competition, maybe even um, a side close to us is in a similar situation. I agree. Uh, yeah. Getting caught between the balance of wanting to attack and turning the ball over and not being able to defend on transition. Uh, North aren't very good at that. Uh, they're obviously missing Mackay at fullback. Uh, he's a very important player for them. Um, it mainly worries me if you're preaching development and rebuild, you've got to have you've got to have signs of that. And I thought they were very good early because St Kilda struggled against some really good tackling from North. It was a very good tackling game that North set up early and put some pressure on. Um, but but when St Kilda scored 50 points from, you know, forward half intercepts, that's cutting off North Melbourne's ball movement. Um, I, th- I think they prefer to be an attacking side because on their day, Larky and... Um, Zohar can be quite exciting, but I think you're you're. It's not criticism. We can only call this date week to week, can't we, Ryan? What happened against St Kilda, and this has happened. The questions you ask, I'm saying there's not enough young players coming through that are really emerging. Um, Horn Francis been okay, hasn't he? Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, it's starting to okay. take it. Yeah, it's starting to take a toll on him, though, I think. That's that's the worry. That, that's a good point you're making. And, and that's, well, that's my question. Like, well, what what are they going to do over the next 11 weeks? Because, you know, look, it's only fair we read this out. We read it out for the Eagles. So uh, the Roos got blown away by Brisbane round three by over 100 points. The next week was, apart from their win, their next best performance of the season when they pushed the Swans to within 11 points since then. Their losing margins are 68 points, 60 points, 50 points, 78 points, 69, 47, 53. You know, in uh, what, seven defeats, the narrowest margin is 47 points. You can't, they can't do this for the next 11 weeks or Lord knows how, how dire things will be. Well, it's a very good point. They're going to get some players back. They've still got a few right, but that's okay. They'll lose a few out the other side. Um, yeah, it's a very good point that those results are massing up. Um, and we accept, the, yes, yes, North, we accept you're in a re- rebuilding phase. Um, but this will get, this will drop off, Rowan. It gets tiring. Mm. We haven't even moved into the tiring part of the year yet. Yeah. You know, the, the winter's not, not the, not the winter slug that I went through, but uh, the cold and the cold nights and the winter and the flus and the chills. And we haven't gone through that yet. So uh, things could get a lot worse before they get better is what you're saying. Yeah, and it's not, it certainly doesn't get easier in the immediate future because, as we said before, they've got Gold Coast up in Darwin and on a five-day uh, turnaround. So that is a big ask. You play a game on a Sunday afternoon 
Um, your next one scheduled for uh, the following weekend. Actually, when is it, Rowan? Actually, I just double check that because I'm... That, that doesn't sound right. Five-day break is uh, Thursday night for a Friday night game. Yeah, no, it's Saturday afternoon. I was looking at an outdated fixture, actually. So it's, take that back. It is a six-day break. I'd still say, even a, is your monitor the Robert Klomp TV from yes, 1981? Black and white, and I just had to adjust the rabbit ears <laughs> on it. Um, so North Melbourne, it's tough for the Roos. They have got Gold Coast at TO Stadium next Saturday afternoon at 4.35. Your commentators will be Mike Williamson, Lou Richards, with Ron Barassi on special comments on HSV7. Uh, that'll be I don't fine. think Ron ever did special comments on he, HSV, he did didn't, he? He did in grand finals. Uh, that'll be followed up Sorry, by right the Penthouse Club uh, with Mike Williamson, Mary, Mary Hardy, and Ray Benson calling the trots oh. out at the showgrounds. He <laughs> <laughs> okay. was um, good, Ray, wasn't he? He was one of the best. and uh, One of the Kilda. great vice captains to Bill Collins of all time. <laughs> Correct. St Kilda. Have <laughs> sorry, folks. Yeah, sorry for anyone younger than fifty. Um, <laughs> yeah. St Kilda has the bye next week. Okay, that was the first game on Sunday. Never. What second. is our age demographic, by the oh, way? Have the stats have the stats come through from the Morgan? Yeah, yeah, it's about <laughs> it's uh, our, our peak demographic is seventy to eighty, and uh, they actually tune in not on the internet but on their crystal set. What are the uh, polls showing? <laughs> 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 Do we get the same polls as Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese? Uh, I don't know. You, is it showing, it showing a, a swing to footyology? It's a strong disapproval rating and a, a strong swing to insanity. Um, well, all right. right. Now, speaking of the old days, uh, oh, yes. our next game for discussion smacked of the old days and wasn't it a beauty? Old rivals, famous rivals, and uh, all those great moments of history between those two clubs uh, coming to the forefront again today in front of a packed MCG crowd. This might be the highlight uh, or the, the big, best talking point a lot from this game between Collingwood and Carlton. A crowd of 80,627. What a fantastic turnout. Crowds have been down this year, but this one was a ripper. And they saw a ripping game with a thrilling finish. The final scores, Collingwood home by four points, 11 goals, 13, 79. Outlasting Carlton, 11, 9, 75. Uh, five goals to the Blues in the last quarter, four goals to the Pies. Jeez, it was exciting stuff. Goal for goal in that last quarter. The Pies uh, got out to a bit of a break. Uh, with some goals early on to Henry, to uh, Tyler Brown, I think another one to him. They had a lead of 23 points, but back came the Blues. A couple of goals to uh, Owies, a small forward. couple to Charlie Kerno, Got him back within a kick. A flying snap by Jack Silvani, just missing the target with about 19 seconds left. And uh, even after that, the Blues still a chance. Was Sam Walsh taken slightly high just slightly. before the siren? Well, yeah, mm. probably was taken high. Uh, of course, that free kick not paid. The Pies hanging on grimly with the ball deep in Carlton's attack when the siren went. It was a great game, absolute ripping game. 
Uh, the goals for the Pies, three to Henry, two to Lipinski, two to side bottom, singles the rest. For the Blues, four to Charlie Curnow, two to Owies, singles the rest. What would you make of this, Rob? Oh, well, it lived up to expectations. You know, we spoke about during the week. It could have been the saviour of the round. That's the way it worked out. So many highlights, a few lowlights, particularly the loss of Wheatering. Uh, another fullback goes down for Carlton. They'll, they'll probably get March back bank. March back bank back. Um, <laughs> but it looks like Wheatering so. will go in for an operation. Uh, that comes on top of McGovern. We've spoken about this before. At the other end of the ground, um, I think Collingwood had the luxury of um, more on Kurnow. And while in isolation, it's not a luxury, but the games of Murphy and Howe were exceptional in support. And I think even, I think a lot of credit to both teams, because if you look at that, the focus was on Kurnow. He kicked two late team lifting goals, but that trio was able to basically control him. And, um, they really miss, it's obvious, they miss Harry Mackay really seriously and uh, Pitney in the ruck because they tried to send De Conning forward. They're always one big man down um, either end of the ground. They even had to ruck Silvani at stages. Mm. And 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 um, that opened the door for uh, somewhat of a whipping boy and an unsung hero. Um, uh, uh, Mason Cox's marking returned significantly. He's marking around the ground and particularly in defence at crucial times was absolutely pivotal. I thought that he and Murphy were two of the lesser names of Collingwood that made a real difference to this side. Um, and I just thought Carlton lacked one key player. Savani does a manful job, but he's not, he's not quite up to... John Nichols or Peter Jones at this stage of his rucking career? <laughs> no, probably not. Um, he'd look funny with one of those handlebar moustaches, though, like they had, wouldn't he? Um, I'll tell you, one thing you'd be wrapped about if you're a Collingwood supporter, I think, is the emergence of some of these young guys. And yes, it's funny, isn't it? We talked about Nick Dacos and what a prospect he is. But hasn't his arrival brought out the best in his brother, Josh Dacos? He's, Josh Dacos is having a terrific season, and I thought he was fantastic again today. But another one, um, Private Lipinski, as Fonny and I used to call him. Sounds <laughs> like a character out of MASH or something. But Lipinski has been... Has, Private Lipinski! He's been fantastic for the Pies. Great pickup. Ollie Henry looking really exciting as a key forward. And uh, others as well, like... Um, Noble, you know, like he's been around a bit now, but he's become a very reliable defender for him. Thought he was terrific today. And then you got the the class of Dugowie, uh crisp, very, very solid for him. You mentioned Jeremy Howe, and he was significant today. So um, I don't know. We were looking at the pies last year, and I was anyway, and thinking, well, where's the talent coming from? Well, you can see where it's coming from now. And these kids are making really good progress. And i uh, got to admit, Rob, as a jealous supporter of another club, I'm looking at the other club's uh, stocks of young talent and thinking, well, how come these guys can all make obvious progress in the space of a year? Well, what's stopping my club doing that? Anyway. Two, yeah, um, two things have happened. They're a very heavy reliance on my, my, my check in previous weeks and yep. months. Yeah. 
Um, but the return from injury of Elliot and, of course, Oliver Henry has kicked seven goals in the last two games, Rowan. Yeah. So they have added a dimension and taken an enormous amount of pressure. They've also got Dugowie going down forward also uh, when required, although his game in the midfield today was full of class. And wasn't there some great matchups in there? I thought um, Cripps, Walsh um, and Pendlebury. You know, there was there was real magic in and around the centre square today. But but I, I like what you've said. I like the theme of this game is um, the younger blokes and probably some of the lesser names that stood up and came to the party in, in a magic game of football. Five points. Um, the, the team that won deserved the win and were the better side in running all day. It just shows you, uh, I think it was a big tick to Carlton to be able to come from, what was it, 20-odd, seven points down at one stage? Um, and it might have got out that far. And um, to nearly pinch it at the end, uh, they lifted in the centre square. Cripps and Walsh were magnificent. And, of course, Charlie Curnow, if he held on to one of those marks, would have been the mark of the year. And he would have been kicking, I think, that big mark, to, the pack mark he went for, to put the Blues in front. So... Um, now they've got injuries, Carlton, but they get a break and they can reassess and uh, realign themselves for Essendon's 150th celebration game. So that's going to be um, interesting. <laughs> it could be. Uh, just a waitering to first reports are uh, looking at potentially about six weeks on the sidelines. I'll tell you, if Carlton are able to sort of hold ground here, um, we're going to look back on it and say that this is a great effort because they really have copped a hammering in terms of injuries to all parts of the ground and and uh, key positions particularly. And the fact that they've been able to keep winning basically without some of the guys they've been without is a real credit to a side who we've always thought really lacked depth. Um, they've found that depth. And uh, look, you know, they've played a lot better than they have today, but they were even even then almost able to get up and pinch the win. So, um, yeah, look, great game, really exciting game, and just, you know, a desperate, frantic finish in front of 80,000 people Sunday afternoon. Um, it was a, a taste of the old days, Rob, and uh, I've got to say I loved it. Uh, terrific game, and I think one the competition needs, to be honest, more games like that. Uh any last words on this one? No, no, it was a, just, just a great testament to the improvement of the two sides. I think what was Collingwood, yep. 17th last year, new yeah. coach. Uh, Carlton written off for countless years. Uh, new coach, um, one who went back and plied his trade. Jake Nile in The Age, I think, wrote a very good article about the Ratton and, and uh, Voss pathway. But we've got an emerging assistant in McRae that's coaching very, very well. So um, um, I, I don't think it would be happy. It will happen, but I would like both of these teams to make the finals. It would give the finals uh, great impetus, momentum, and uh, some real some real spirit about it. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, the the pack's forming, and that's too deep. But anyway. Yep, okay. no, well, well said. Uh, all right, next week, the Pies take on Hawthorne, 2.10 p.m. Sunday afternoon. And Carlton has their bye next week, so a chance for the Blues to... Have you got those? Sorry, just quickly. So we've got Wietering, uh, Pitonay, not back, uh, Jack Martin, 
uh, Mackay. Now, he had a cartilage trim, didn't he? So he might be a chance, Rowan. Williams uh, is no chance. Yeah, uh, keep going. Uh, so Wietering will be out. Pitno will be out. Martin should come back. 50-50 Mackay, Williams and McGovern out. So, yeah, no, Mackay is still another three or four weeks away. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. I don't I thought it was a five-week injury, and he's up to three already. No, not matter. No, they just but that's a significant injury list heading into, um, like, back-to-back games for the Pies, uh, for the Blues, against Collingwood and Essendon. Doesn't get any better than that for them. They'd love it. And uh, they've lost to the Collingwood. They've lost to the Carrying Bush. They're not going to be that keen on getting beaten by Essendon in the 150th celebration game. Uh, no, they would certainly like to throw a spanner in the works. Speaking of that side having its 150th birthday celebration, and I use the word loosely, uh, they finished off round 11 over in Adelaide. The final game of round 11 was over in Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, a very wet and cold Adelaide Oval, certainly after half time. And they witnessed Port Adelaide winning by 16 points over a determined Essendon. And Port will take the points, but uh, not necessarily that impressive a win by the power who made all the running early. In fact, out to a 38-point lead at one stage in the first half. But the Bombers really having the better of things after half time. In fact, four goals to one after half time and uh, that reduced the gap to 16 points. Uh, never quite going to get there though, the Bombers. And in fact, the last quarter was goalless. Neither side able to kick a goal in that last quarter. So thrilling stuff for the, I'm being sarcastic, he said, uh, for the crowd of 25,000. At Adelaide over the final scores, Port, nine goals, 12, 66. Defeating Essendon, 6 14 50. Uh, two goals to Charlie Dixon, the only multiple goal kicker in this game. Uh, singles the rest for the power, all single goal kickers to the Bombers. Uh, well, it was uh, coming up to half time, Rob. It was looking like this was going to be one of Essendon's more embarrassing defeats of the season but credit where it's due they really found something in conditions you wouldn't think necessarily would suit them they came out early in the third quarter and goals pretty quick goals to harry jones in his comeback game for the bombers uh nick martin and alec waterman uh essendon having 10 to zip inside 50s early in that Mm -hmm. last quarter and then durham added another one and all of a sudden, the margin reduced to 10 points. Port did steady from there. A goal to Trent Dumont restored that lead to the best part of three goals. Um, Parrish, Hobbs and Durham, the keys to Essendon turning around Port's early midfield dominance. A couple of pivotal moments. Essendon really coming hard. Alec Waterman uh, running towards goal where he was chased down magnificently by Aaliyah Aaliyah. That was a fairly pivotal moment. Um, and the power in that last quarter, despite not putting it on the board, they really did sort of regain their physical dominance, if you like, and dominated the contested possession in that last quarter, about doubling, I think, Essendon's level of contested ball. So 
not a great win, but a win, no, no less, for yep. the power. And for Essendon, a bit like last week, really. Uh, determined, much better effort. Uh, oh, no, an improvement on last week because they were actually, you know, a decent winning chance at some stage, but still a fair way short uh, of the power and the finish and a long way short of the very best teams in this competition, Rob. Um, yeah, it was an intriguing game because um, it, 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 Essendon put a theory on its head. Um, yeah, uh, you know, approaching seven goals down, um, anything could have happened. Um, but the rain came. And um, usually when that happens, uh, historically Essendon aren't very good in the wet, folks. Uh, if you don't follow this club very well, they're a poor contested ball side in wet conditions. And... Um, uh, but it changed, and the mindset must have been like they must have had some harsh words at half time because they were pretty non competitive. But they, they, it, in a funny sort of way, it simplified the game. And we spoke about North, what's their identifiable game plan? Well, the same thing if you're saying about North, you've got to say it about Essendon. But what the rain did was simplify it, they dominated the center bounces. There was five in a row there, and as you said. 10 to zip inside 50. So they put enormous pressure on by being direct and quick and efficient. And um, and their effort was fantastic. But we still... Go on, jump in. Well, I was going to, just speaking about harsh words, really interesting exchange at quarter time. Oh, yeah. Darcy yeah. Parrish really speaking anim- animatedly, first to uh, Jake Kelly and then to skipper Dyson Heppel. And um, he was uh, very unimpressed... Uh, and with something, I don't yeah, know what. Yeah. No, well, we don't know what. And, and look, it could have been quite a, a technical thing or something about positioning. Who knows? But uh, gee, when you see footage of teammates arguing, it, it's never a great look, is it? He was he was emphatic. He was strong. Um, Kelly did something. I think Heppel came in as in Dyson Heppel's way to sort of mediate this discussion. But uh, it was. Um, uh, I got a fraction uncomfortable. He refused to look at Heppel, didn't he? He turned his back on him, kept walking away. Dyson kept at him and at him. They had a... Should um, have told a joke, Rob, like they usually do when they're behind by but, 10 But um, I tell you what, they... Uh, Not going to answer Whatever that. was said and organised, uh, it certainly showed um, they demolished them to the point that Point had to go... Point were having, you know, some of the young kids in the centre bounce, but they quickly had to go, this is how... Serious, they thought it was. They had to go with grind, uh, Gray, Wines and Boke in the centre square to try and uh, uh, balance that. Uh, it's not very often you get beaten by when you kick one goal eight in a half of football. But uh, unfortunately, the Bombers were that far behind that Port could afford to uh, to just be competitive in that last quarter. One eight and a half of football, nothing to write home about for Port Adelaide. But... Um, held on to win by 16 points. And a significant win for them. Uh, it would have oh. been, had they dropped this, would have That's been it. an absolute it. disaster. Well, it would have been it, Ron. Well, it would have yeah. left them two games outside the eight and uh, halfway through the So you're not going to catch up a two-game deficit, or very, very rarely, I think, are you going to pick up a two-game deficit. On the, on the Robert Klomp monitor, where are yeah. they on the ladder, Rowan? They are 11th at 11th? Five, five and six, and uh, ahead Who's, of them. Yeah. Go on. Who's eighth and what's their total? Well, eighth of the Western Bulldogs are six and five. Oh, so there's only game ahead of – there's only one four points ahead. 
Yeah, correct, which is why I said if they hadn't won, they would have been two games outside the eight rather than one. So uh, one game gap, yeah, fair enough. You might pick that. But it's also who's ahead of them. You know, they've got the Bulldogs in eighth spot. They've got Richmond in, in ninth mm. and Collingwood in tenth. Um, so uh, and, and the Suns level with them too on five and six and with over the next few weeks, a better draw. So, um, you know, they've got to keep winning the power and uh, I think it's safe to say, even though they did get out of it with a win today, they're not going to win too many more games playing that level. So need to find a bit of improvement. Uh, what about Essendon just quickly? Last year, a finalist of last year, halfway through the following season, is 16th on the ladder with two wins and nine losses. Um, I'll say it, three words, not good enough. No, and I think the scene was probably set a little bit when they said, even the club said they overachieved. They, I think when you make the finals, you've got to talk about, let's go to the next level. Let's aspire to be. They sort of played it down a bit. I think they've, apart, look, they've had significant injuries like a lot of clubs, but um, uh, sometimes you get what you deserved and uh, it's been not good enough. It's been a, a significant step back. They do have a chance on the 150th game. Uh celebration day it's a big day for the club big functions big reunions so um and they pick carlton who will go into the side about without about six of their best players uh, Essen will look at um look closely stewart dominated the vfl they um they will have a look at uh langford and stringer's progress over the next two weeks remind me next week and Essendon does have the buy next week, but remind me at some stage before that 150th birthday game to talk about the 150th birthday because I am so sick of it. I'm sick of their reliance on their history at the expense of what's going on now. And uh, whilst you're on it, if you're going to have uh, big glamour, glamorous type dinners for those sort of occasions, you might want to think about not slugging your membership $495 for a crappy three-course dinner with CUB providing the alcohol. Like $495. Are you kidding me? Uh, Anyway, that's a discussion for another game. But uh, enough of the uh, bathing in history. I wouldn't mind a bit more focus on the present, to be honest, with my supporters' hat. Spoken by Rowan Connolly. Spoken by a very disillusioned Essendon supporter. (laughs) All right, uh, Port Adelaide. Uh, No, 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 you're not going just yet. Port Adelaide. (laughs) Sunday night. Essendon and Port Adelaide both having the bye next week. Uh, No bye for us, unfortunately, Robert. But uh, that is the end. Of our analysis. Oh, who have Port got, Rowan? Did you mention it or I missed it? Essendon versus Carlton at the MCG? No. It's in two weeks. Both these sides have the bye. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Who do they play next? Oh, the next game. (laughs) Yeah, that's That's all that matters. All right, Essendon plays Carlton in their next game, uh, Friday week. Friday night game. And Port Adelaide playing Richmond on a Thursday evening. Uh, that is on Thursday. Is that an eight-point game, Rowan? Uh, it could be an eight-point game. Good. I like eight-point uh, games. But both sides, as I said, with the bye next week, although <laughs> uh, the way Aston's going, they're a fair chance to lose the bye oh, as stop well. Stop it. Stop uh, it. All right. Uh, thanks very much to our wonderful podcasting partners, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. 
Uh, thanks for your loyal support, everyone listening to this. You can continue to support us uh, at the supporter page, thanks to ACAST, wherever you listen to this show. You'll find that link in the show description or become, or both, and become a Footyology patron via the many links on the Footyology website to Patreon. Uh, for $7 Australian per month, you can become an official Footyology patron and help our little production, not just the podcast, but the website, the live streams, the mini series, the operas, you name it, uh, stuff that we haven't even thought of yet, but will be thought of in years to come. Uh, as I sit in front of my bank of TV screens and Rob sits in front of a campfire uh, just uh, waxing <laughs> lyrical. <laughs> oh, I can't keep it up. All right. Thanks to your company. Uh, thanks, Shory. And uh, we'll speak to you again next week when uh, we review the first of the buy rounds coming up round 12. Hope your team had a good win this week and better luck next week or next century if you're an Essendon supporter, if they didn't. Uh, good night. We'll, we'll catch you later.